Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Appreciate so much Peyton uh, taking the reins last week for me. Uh, it's great that he can do the Bible class, he can do the sermon, he can uh, do so much. He works with our youth, he works with our young adults, he does so many things. And, and I'm just, it's a blessing to me, uh, I think, more than anything else, as I know you're blessed as well. So I'm very thankful for that. N.T. Wright recounts a disaster at sea, and there was a, a tourist ferry uh, during the holidays. It was loaded down with people. It was loaded down with cars. And those that had closed the doors to the hatch uh, where the cars had come in, they didn't, they didn't latch it right. And because of that, water began coming in. And by the time they discovered it, it was too late. The boat was already sinking. Uh, people go into chaos. The power goes out. And just people are running around. And fortunately, there was, there was someone who was not a part of the crew that decided to take charge, to take authority. And he began barking out orders and telling people what they needed to do. And there was a sense of calm because finally someone is telling them. And he, he's directing them to these lifeboats that it was hard to see in the dark and in the chaos. And many people were saved by getting on those boats. And then there were people that were trapped down in the hull. And, and he goes down and he, he makes this, this human bridge so that people could climb across and come to safety. In the end, this man... He drowned in the process. Uh, but for him taking authority the way he did, he, he saved the lives of so many. And he gave his life in order to assume that authority. I want us to move now to the northern coast of Galilee. And here in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, this is the way he begins. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Now, at this particular time, Jesus was not the popular teacher that we think of him. Uh, that's about to change. Um, but he walks into this synagogue and as there he began to teach, synagogues were places where uh, the Torah, the law, the law of Moses, what we refer to sometimes Old Testament, this is, is where it was read, it was where it was interpreted, and it was explained. And so verse 22, it says, and Jesus is teaching, it says, and they were astonished at his teaching. And here's why. He says, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Even the most admired teachers of the day did not teach the way Jesus taught. The reason is they didn't have the authority of Jesus. And, and they would go to what was authority, such as Moses and the law. And they would say, Moses says. Or they may say, this great rabbi from days past, and, and this is something that, 
that they share, and they would and they would speak on that type of authority. Jesus didn't speak that way, and the reason is because Jesus is the Word. He didn't use the Word as his authority because he is the Word of God who has become flesh. Now let that sink in for a moment because it's hard for us to get it into our our human minds. But Jesus is the revelation to the world. Mark contrasts the Messiah with Moses. Folks, Moses, you remember reading, right? Those of you, hopefully you're still reading. We are as a congregation. And when we're reading through, we see that Moses was the only one that God has come to directly and spoken these things. And he's making a contrast with them, with him, to say, this is not even something where God has spoken directly to Jesus, because Jesus is God. And not even the scribes, not even the greatest rabbis of the day could say what Jesus says, and in the way that Jesus says it. And we notice here just the amazement of the people listening to this. Oh, what it must have been like just to sit at Jesus' feet. Just to sit at his feet. And there's a lot of things we say that are amazing. Don't we? We use that word a lot in our culture. I do it. I do it. I do the same thing. You know, uh, you know when there's a good Star Wars movie, oh man, you got to see that movie. That's amazing. All right? What are other things we use? Teenagers, you can help me out here. What are other things we say it's amazing? What? Awesome. But what do we connect those things to? Pizza is amazing. Right? Pizza is amazing. What else? Tracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get me in trouble. Uh, Chelsea would say Michael Jackson is amazing, right? For those of you who were here for her Michael Jackson, oh, she totally botched that one because it was Elvis and everything. But, but we say that. We say that about songs. We say, man, you got to hear this song. It's amazing. Man, did you see the new car that's just come out or the new Jeep truck? Okay, that thing's amazing, right? But when this word is being used here, folks, it's a totally different way. Their minds are blown. That's what that word means. Their minds are to the point of just absolutely being blown. It goes beyond their mental composure. And he's telling them that the kingdom of God is here. And Jesus is going to later on walk around Jerusalem like he owns the place. And what's interesting is, here's Jesus, this amazing teacher, and Mark doesn't tell us what he's teaching. Now, last week, Peyton mentioned, you know, he's come and he's preaching the kingdom is near and he's preaching about repentance and, and believe in the good news and this kind of... But here he is, he, he, whatever he's saying and how he's saying it and, and his words, we're not given those things. Isn't that not amazing? And the reason is because Mark has an agenda. Each one of the gospels have an agenda and how they want to portray things. And he is wanting you to be in awe of Jesus' authority. Just listen, Jesus' words are important. We know that, right? And that should, just, that should blow our minds to say that Jesus is saying that who Jesus is is more important even than his words. Because his words have their impact. They have their great authority because of who Jesus is. And we see those words through Jesus, through his character, through his essence, 
through his, the authority, the divine authority that is given to him. Folks, that's a game changer. If you want to read about Jesus' words, go to Matthew. You can look at chapters 5 through 7 later on, the Sermon on the Mount. It's amazing. And we go to it a lot of times. We're like, oh, man, that is just, that is so good. And you know what? We don't get it because if we really got it, we'd go to the Sermon on the Mount and we'd say, I, this is tough. I don't know if I can do this. This is what it means to be in the kingdom of God. I'm not so sure I can do this. Folks, it's tough stuff. And what Jesus would do in the Sermon on the Mount, he'd say, listen, the Torah, the law says this. And he says, but you have heard. And then he says, but I say. And he's putting his words alongside of the Torah, the law of God. Folks, I don't even know if we really grasp it the way they got it. But we see how they're looking at it. Their minds are just being blown. When Jesus speaks to us, he doesn't speak to us as a gifted and intelligent speaker. He speaks as God. He speaks with words that brought the universe into existence. Think about that. These are his words. His words brought it into existence. His words will heal the sick. It will calm the storm. We're going to see it's going to cast out these spiritual demons. That's the word that he speaks. That's the power, the authority that Jesus has in those words. And when we get that, then it changes how we read when it says that, that what Jesus says to us, right? There are preachers and teachers that absolutely amaze me. I'll be honest with you. I could give you a list, a short list even, of those that I'm just like, wow, I learned something I have never, ever seen before in my life. It is a game changer in what I have learned. We could go around this room and we could ask people to say, who are, who are those that just, you know, they taught you and they changed, what they taught you just changed your life. And maybe occasionally I say something that it's like, wow, I never saw that before. But let me tell you something, all of these, and that includes myself, especially myself. We are nothing in comparison to Jesus. Because we rely on the study of God's word. You're going to hear me say, listen, this is what Mark is saying. You're going to hear me say... N.T. Wright has a great illustration about this. You're going to see that I do just as the scribes do because the scribes and myself and all other teachers, we're not Jesus. And here's the thing. None of us speak perfectly. We never speak perfect truth. We want to. But there are times, and if we're honest, and if we continue to study, we're going to say, you know what? There's some things I got wrong. But man, I am so thankful by the grace of God that I am able to see things that I've never seen before. But you know what? We're not perfect. But Jesus never made a contradiction. Jesus never said anything that was untruths, anything that was outside of the character of himself. 
And folks, this is why you don't idolize preachers. You don't do it. You don't leave a church because a preacher leaves or because he's been fired. I don't care how great he is. It's not a good reason. You don't renounce your faith because someone that you idolize as a, a preacher or a teacher and, and they have made some kind of serious error, maybe a moral error in their life, and you just like, well, I just give up. Because you don't idolize people. You can admire people, but you do not put them on the same as Jesus Christ. When God stepped into our world, the people knew that he was different than the greatest teachers of the day. Too many disciples, we admire preachers, we admire teachers, we admire uh, even people who baptize us more than we do the Messianic King. The teachings of Jesus were powerful. But Mark wants us to be in awe of his authority more than the words themselves. And the words are amazing and powerful. And when we see Jesus as to who he is and that authority, it changes when we read Jesus' words, for example, about anger and lust. And about helping the poor. And about loving our enemies. And about not laying up treasures on earth. And we all just need to take a moment. And we need to ask ourselves. How do we hear the words of Jesus? Do we hear them from the authority by which Jesus has come? Do you admire your favorite preachers and teachers more than you do Jesus? Recently, I had a, not anybody that's here, but I had a, a debate with someone, and, and he, just, he just kept talking about the authority of the, the apostles. And the doctrine, the teachings of the apostles never once mentioned Jesus. And I brought that up and he said, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but they were given authority from Jesus. Now, listen, even the apostles, folks, they are to be read in light of Jesus. Am I saying, well, the apostles, what they said was untrue? No, but stop, stop. If you see the apostles' doctrine as more important than Jesus, or reading Jesus through what they taught, does it make any sense? Jesus has got to be the one. He's got to be the one. So search your hearts. Jesus, Messiah, should be your favorite preacher. Mark is bringing us into the drama. Jesus' authority, folks, it should just blow our minds. We sing the song. 
I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my soul shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Christ, we do all adore Thee, and we do praise Thee forever. Christ, we do Father, we come before you. And Father, we just sit and we just bask in your greatness and your authority. And the one that you have sent to us, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, help us just to capture even, even a small bit of the essence of what's happening here. Help us, Father, to see and hear Jesus the way he's meant to be seen and heard. All we can do, Father, is just come and bask in your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go to verse 23. And immediately, there was in their synagogues, watch this, a man with an unclean spirit. Isn't that interesting? And he cried out, what have you to do with us? Okay, there's more than one. Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent. And come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, 
so that they question among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Folks, this is the authority of Jesus on full display. What does he have the power over? Look at this. It is the dominion of Satan. And something that's also interesting is, did the, did the spirits fight against Jesus? Did they try to attack him? Did they call him ugly names? No. Folks, they knew that Jesus was the Holy One of God. They wreak havoc and torment upon humanity. But when Jesus came to our world, these evil spirits cowered. When the Son of God comes again, listen to this. When the Son of God comes again, every knee will bow. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. We're just going to make a little detour here. Philippians chapter 2. And this is speaking of Jesus' humanity. And it comes down in verse 9 as it speaks of him in his humanity taking on the form of death. And then it says, verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, listen to this, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Every knee. Living creatures, spiritual creatures, demonic creatures. And he says, even those that are under the earth. Who's under the earth? It's the dead. What Adam had failed to do, Jesus accomplishes it. He becomes the new Adam. He is given the name Lord. And knees will bend when he comes again. This passage, by the way, is taken... From Isaiah chapter 45. Behold, the Lord comes with might and his arm. Well, that's not it. Well, just believe me, it's in there. <laughs> 45, 23, if you want to look it up. But look, and, and, this, and what it's talking about there in Isaiah is it's referring to the worship of Yahweh. Folks, Jesus is God. And whoever honors Jesus glorifies the Father. Because of him, we will see the one. We see the one who has come in the form of God, who mirrors his likeness. Jesus came to stop the nightmare, folks. He came to rescue humanity from the realm of darkness that enslaves us. It's like in the dark. Those that were on that, that ferry that night and the water is rushing in and there's chaos and there's darkness. Jesus has come and he's the bridge. He's come to save us. It's a second exodus, folks. He's come to save us, but this time not from an earthly realm. He comes to save us from the domain of Satan, the domain of darkness. Folks, that's why his words mean more than anyone else. 
And that's why we revere him. We hear him. Because of who he is. Oh, don't make preachers your idols. You're setting yourself up. Let's keep going. Verse 28. He says, and at once his fame spread everyone, everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. Now Simon, and this is Peter that we often know, uh, his mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately, you hear this word often, immediately, they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her. She began to serve him. What I want you to see, we looked at other parts of this in class, but what I want you to see is what she does. When she's healed, what does she do? She gets up and she starts serving. And I know there are many modern day women that are just going to be offended by this. This portrayal of this woman. But you need to understand that this same Greek word is the same word that's used of the angels who ministered to Jesus out in the wilderness. It is the same word that's going to be used of Jesus in chapter 10 where he says he has given his life a ransom for many. Let me tell you something. This is what disciples do. When you've been touched by Jesus, when he lifts you up out of your own darkness, out of your own despair, this is what we do. This is who we are. We began to serve. And then, let's finish it out. Verses 32 through 34. He says, That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Mark continues to show us. The one who stepped into our world to save us from this spiritual bondage. He is the one who has the compassion. He is the one who comes to rule. As Isaiah 40, if you were in class a couple of weeks ago, we, we broke that down. It says the Messiah. But we also know that while he rules, he's also this tender shepherd. This compassionate shepherd. And here Jesus, his mission is not to heal everybody on earth. It's not even to heal just the Jews, folks. He's doing this to establish his authority as God. But even at that, out of his compassion, these people show up. And what does he do? He just heals them all. If you're seeking salvation, if you're seeking to get out of the darkness in the chaos of your life. Folks, Jesus is the answer. His words are what are important. And they're important because of who he is. You can't tell me that with anybody else's words that have ever walked on this planet. He's here to deliver us from chaos. Let me tell you this too. You don't begin by asking, well, what do I need to do? Important question. We know that question was asked in Scripture. But I'm here to tell you, that's not the first question. That's not the first thing we need to know. Because I'm here to tell you, I can tell you things you, 
that you, you should do. I can tell you to be baptized. I can tell you to, to live a good life. And I, but I don't care how many times you're baptized. I don't care how many morals that you live by. If you don't understand the one behind the authority of those words, then it means nothing. Do you understand that? We must know Jesus. We must know Jesus. And when we know him and we understand his essence, we cannot wait to follow in his words. Because let me tell you something, they're going to be tough. But you know the one who has authority and you know why he's here. He's here to lead us out of the domain of darkness. So the first question is, who is this Jesus? That's where it begins. If we can help you in any way today to come to know this Jesus, to follow the words of Jesus, we, we want to do that. We want to help you. And it doesn't have to be right as soon as the song sings. It, it can be later on. It can be during the week. But just listen. He's come to save you from the darkness. He's come to save you from the chaos. That's who Jesus is.